Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. You realize that the blessing of the Lord goes further than money. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's when he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. What does that mean? It means that you're refrigerator refrigerates a little longer that your car cars a little longer it may be clunking and rattling and everything else but it keeps on going we hope you find this message encouraging been working on a message uh what i feel like the lord's mission is for us here at the first of this new year and we've been looking at it for a few weeks and and uh, i hope that by now you've seen where we're headed and as I told you, I prayed, and I just felt like the Lord said that we need to make the connection. Ultimately, it comes down to the fact that nowadays, in the time in which we live, not like in times past, people aren't necessarily going to come to church. They're not necessarily even looking for that. Uh, by and large, people are saying that the church is no longer relevant. Uh, used to, years ago, what would have been about 90 percentile of the United States would claim adherence to one body of believers. In other words, it, they might have been the Christmas and Easter only crowd, but they would have said, I belong to that church. If I have a wedding or I have a funeral or, you know, whatever it is, my family has a need, that would be the church I would go and see about that. Now that number is down to about 25 percent. It's no longer uh, in vogue like it was back then, cultural Christianity is, is, is uh, essentially what it is. Uh, cultural Christianity is no longer in vogue. And so people are saying there's no connection there. And the Lord has given us the mandate through the Apostle Paul, he says in Second Corinthians, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we're supposed to help make things right. What is, who is somebody that reconciles things? The peacemaker. Amen? And what does the Lord say about the peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they uh, shall see God. And so ultimately it comes down to that. We've been given that responsibility. We've been given that ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that we take the gospel with us. That we make the connection between us and God. That we have that refreshed and revived and renewed every day. Amen? Every day. That it's not a one-time deal that I didn't have a, an emotional encounter with God 20 years ago and I'm saved and satisfied. It means that I'm on fire for the Lord. It means that I'm talking to Him daily, that I'm listening for His voice, that I'm allowing myself to be led by the Holy Spirit and, 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 and you know, you need to go talk to this person, you need to turn here and go there and all this kind of stuff that we're listening for the voice of the Lord, that we are making a connection with one another and sometimes that's tough. I, I, I was th just thinking about while we were in worship, I heard a guy he pre preaching a long time ago, and he said, you know, he said, sometimes our fellowship with one another is hard. Because he said, we're really not a good bunch. We can be mean, we can be rude. We, he said, really, we're like a bunch of porcupines huddling together because it's cold outside, and sometimes we poke one another. And he was, this guy was actually preaching. I was listening to him preach. At first I thought, man, this is, this guy has lost it. And he said, he said, fact is, if you're not a believer, he said, I would encourage you to get up and leave right now. 
Because he said, we're really not a good bunch. But he said, if you'll dare to stay, you're going to encounter one of the sweetest things that you'll ever encounter because it's that, I've, I've talked about it before, the, the Greek word in the original language for fellowship is kononia. And it means more than fellowship. It means relationship. It means connection. And, and that kononia is that little something-something that happens whenever God's people get together. And, and that we begin to pray together. And the Bible tells us if two should agree as touching anything in his name, it'd be done of our Father in heaven. He also goes on and says where there are two or three of us gathered together in his name, that he'd be right in the middle of it. Amen? So guess what? There's more than two or three of us here this morning, and that means that God is here with us. Amen? So sometimes you've got to overlook the porcupines. And sometimes we have to realize there's a little something-something that goes on besides just the physical. And so we've got to make the connection with God. We've got to make the connection with each other, and we've got to take the connection out there. Where people are far from God, people might not even be looking for him, but yet they're seeking for answers. There's very few people that I've ever met in this life who aren't looking for an answer. What, why am I here? What is this all about? Are, are we just a, a, a rare thing on a planet that's spinning through the middle of a, of a universe? And what, what's the meaning for life and all that kind of stuff? And they ask it in a lot of different ways. But they're seeking God. They might not even know they're seeking God, but they're seeking God. So we have to be those ministers of reconciliation. In other words, there's somebody out here, they're looking for answers. We have to be the connection. So we've been looking at making the connection for all these weeks. If you haven't been here, you can go and pick that up. Uh, you can find a link on the Facebook page, or you can uh, go and subscribe to the podcast uh, if you've got... Uh, uh, iPhone or uh, Android or whatever they are now, uh, you can go and download a podcast. FWC Beaumont, you'll find us either place there. But we've been looking at for the last few weeks, connecting. We're using that as an acrostic. Number one, the C is communicating the Word of God. The O, opening the doors of fellowship. Again, there's, there's sermons you can go back and listen to on these. N is navigating by faith. The next N is networking the body of Christ. In other words, that we need to begin to work together, that we shouldn't see other churches as our enemies, but we should see them as partners in Christ. Embracing is the E, embracing biblical principles. God's got a way of doing things. He's got a plan. Amen? We need to follow that plan. C is celebrating Christ in worship. That's not just about singing songs. That's about us connecting with him while we're here and taking it out of here. The T, testifying through our actions. That's time, belief, and behavior together. The I, now we are ready for I, invest in the kingdom of God. And realize that God has given us all something. The Bible's very, very clear. He's gifted every believer to do something. We all have talents and abilities that are God-given. All of us in some way, and you may be saying, well, not me. I don't have anything that I can do. Yes, you just haven't discovered it, maybe. But all of us are gifted, talented, have abilities that come from God. It's not about us. Now, we can develop abilities. We can develop those things. We can get better at what we're doing. But it's just like I've used this as an illustration before. My brother, three years older than me, we grew up in the same environment. My parents never separated or divorced, so we had the same environment. So 
there may be some things that environment plays into, but not everything. You know, there's a whole lot of people today that says, your environment shapes who you are. Well, my brother and I had the same environment. And he couldn't turn a bolt the right way. I could. From a kid, I used to take all my parents' stuff apart. They would get so mad at me, but I'd put it back together. <laughs> the only time they got upset is if they caught me because I'd take stuff apart. I needed to see how it worked. It was just, I couldn't stand it if I didn't know how that worked. I, if I ever broke anything, I fixed it. I'll never forget it. I was about six years old, and I tripped over a fan that my parents had in the hallway. I was clowning around, so it was my fault. Tripped over this fan. Well, I carried it down here to my welder. Yes, I had a welder at uh, six years, six or eight years old. So I carried it down there, welded it up. I didn't have any paint that would match, so here's this big burn spot on that fan. They never noticed. I grew up, moved away from home, and finally fessed up. Hey, did you ever notice there was a burnt spot on that fan? My mom said, yeah, where'd that come from? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> now, <laughs> too big to spank. <laughs> but here's the deal. My brother couldn't do that, but what he could do is play music. I've, I'll never forget. It's, it's been one of, my, one of my things. I've always wanted to play music. Some of you may be like that. I've tried everything. Uh, every instrument you can imagine within reason, I've tried to play it. And, and I've realized something through the years. If you're not gifted, if you're not talented, if you don't have that ability, it's kind of hard to come up with. I figured out I have a hard time playing the radio without getting static. But I, I'll never forget. I bought a, we had a trade day up there where I lived. It was at the stockyards, and every first Monday, they'd have a big trade day. I bought a guitar for 10 bucks. Man, I'd saved up my money. I was just a kid. And so I'm, you know, the guy that was selling it, boy, he was just playing away on him. Well, yeah, I got to have one of them. And so I took it home, and it just, boing, boing. Well, this ain't working. It must be broke. Well, my brother picks it up. He's three years older than me. He picks it up, and I'm not kidding you, ten minutes later, he's playing a song that we heard on the radio. This ain't fair. So I, I tried this, and I tried that, and I finally figured out what God had gifted me at was not music. I can sing a little bit, but that's about it. I can't really play anything. I, now, I can learn chords. I can put my fingers in the right spot. And I can actually make a pretty good chord, but what I discovered is it doesn't come naturally to me. Sometimes, if you're having a hard time figuring out what God has gifted you at, given you an ability in, look at what you do well naturally. It might be crunching numbers. It might be doing secretarial work. It might be organizing. It might be, it, it might be all kinds of stuff. It might be mechanical. It might be musical, whatever it is. You've got to look at that and say, that is what God gave me. Look at the Old Testament. He says, this tribe right here, I've gifted to do certain things. Metal work was one of them. One of them some of them worked with cloth and making cloth and all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes what we want to do is we want to do something than what, different than what comes natural to us. Why? Because we find it intriguing. But God gifted you for a reason. One of the things that, that I've come to realize through the years, I, I've shared this with you before. When I first felt the call into ministry, man, I'd hear somebody on the radio or on a tape or whatever. And I, boy, that's the way I want to preach. So the next time I'd get an opportunity to preach, I'd try to preach just like them. And you know what? It never came off right. 
And there was one time whenever I was lamenting, you know, before the Lord, and the Lord, I, I, I want to preach that way, but I can't. And, and I, I've shared this with you before. There was a time whenever the Lord, through various and sundry ways, kind of spoke to me one day. I was, I was sitting there, and I had kicked my shoes off, and I'm kind of just mulling it over and rah, 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 like we do sometimes. And I just felt like the Lord said, whose shoes are those? Well, they're mine. And then I went back to rah, 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 rah. He said again, whose shoes are those? Well, they're mine because I'm the only one in here and I just kicked my shoes off. And then I went back to rah, 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 rah. And finally, he said, whose shoes are those? And I said, they're mine. And then I listened instead of going back to the rah, 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 rah. And then he said, fill them. I didn't call you to be that other person because I've already got one of them. I didn't call you to be that person. I've already got one of them. I called you to be you. Now you get out there and be the very best you you can be. And I'm telling you from that point on, I just, it's like, hey, this is the way God made me. This is, this is how I preach. This is how I teach. This is, this is how it is. This is what God sent me to do. And I quit worrying about what everybody else was doing and how they were doing it. And that's what we need to do sometimes. You need to look at what is it that God has gifted me, given me a talent with, given me an ability that I'm overlooking because I'm lusting over somebody else's gift, ability, or talent. And start using it for the kingdom. we got to invest in the kingdom. Sometimes we think the uh, only thing we ever think about when we say something about investing in the kingdom is our money. Now, that's an important thing. And realize that Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he talked about money just about as much as he talked about anything else. He's got a plan. We talked about biblical principles earlier, embracing biblical principles. That's one of the principles that we got to get down pat. But ultimately, it comes down, that's not the only thing. We've got three things that we need to look at, three things that, that we really need to invest in the kingdom. That's our time, that's our talent, and that's our treasure. Those are the three things that God has asked us to use in his service. Realize that whenever we talk about coming into a service, there's a reason it's called service. Because we are serving the king. We are in a kingdom and we're serving the king. So it comes down to this. There's too many people that are overlooking their gifts, their talents, their abilities, what they can do for the kingdom. And it comes down to this. Usually in most every church, there's about 10% of the people that do 100% of the work. Amen or oh me. <laughs> about 10% of the people do 100% of the work. Now, there's several reasons why people say, I'm not going to invest in that. Well, number one, they don't think they can. Number two, they don't know what they're able to do. And number three, they think, I just don't have the time. But do you realize that God has given us all the same amount of time every week? How many of you have, have less than 24 hours a day? And how many of you have less than seven days a week? Oh, wow. All of us have the same amount of time. And time is just like money. In that, you can spend it, you can invest it, or you can waste it. Now, how many of you have ever invested money? Oh, yeah. How many of you have ever uh, wasted money? 
bought something you didn't need, thought it'd do something that it won't do, all that kind of stuff, okay? We wasted it. The one thing about it is, with, with money and, and, and time, we've got to invest it into the kingdom. We've all got that same amount. And so, here's the thing. If you look at it, if, if you do the tithe, which I think is a biblical principle, if you do the tithe 24 hours a day times seven days a week, somebody do the math real quick in their head. Yes, 168, you are correct. So, if we do a tithe on that, it would be a quick 16.8 hours every week that we should be investing in the kingdom. Minimum. Minimum. So if we come in here on Sunday morning and Zach's leading us in worship and we sing a few songs and then, oh gosh, Brother Philip gets up there and talks on and on and on. We've got about an hour and a half invested. Oops. Okay, drive time, Angie says, two hours invested. We'll, we'll, we'll play to the, to, the, to the high end there. And, okay, let's just venture to dare to say that we go Wednesday night. We do have church on Wednesday nights. I, I'm just reminding everybody about that. So we'll give you another two hours on that, time you count drive time. So we've got four hours that we have invested in the kingdom. Okay, say we first of the year we decided we're going to do some Bible reading and two hours all total all week. Fair enough? We read a little here, a little there, put it all together, two hours. So right there, we have a, a grand total of six hours. Ouch. What are you doing with the rest of that? Well, I don't have time. Wait a minute, we've already said we've all got the same amount of time. You remember uh, sometime back, a few years back, I, made, I had the fishbowl that we're now using for names of people that we're praying for to be saved. And I, I said, this represents how much time we have. And then I filled it full of golf balls. And how many of you would say that's full? We had it kind of rounded up. Yep, yep, it's full. And then I took some rocks and I poured in there. Till again, it was up to the top. And uh, how many of you say that was full? And then I took sand and I poured in there on top of the rocks and the golf balls. And it, it, quite a bit of sand went in there. How many of you would say that's full? Yes, it's full. And then I poured water in on top of it. You make room for what you want to make room for. Amen? So the Lord has required us to tithe. That's one of those kingdom principles. So if we tithe our money, which he's made all kinds of promises about, why would we not invest in that? He said, don't lay up treasures on this earth where moth and rust can, and, and thieves can break in and steal it, but lay up your treasures in heaven. That's what happens whenever we're investing in the kingdom. That's what happens whenever, in, in whatever way, that we are making that connection that way. So that what we've got to do is realize... That if the more we invest in the kingdom, the more we get back. In blessings, in, in rewards, all kinds of different ways the Lord works that. He, that promise that he makes in Malachi is, if you'll bring your tithe into the storehouse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, your crops won't fail, all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, he says, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Do you realize that part of it's worth more than all the rest of it? If he begins to rebuke the devourer, who is the devourer? It's our enemy, Satan. 
If he rebukes the devourer for our sakes, then guess what? Everything that we do is going to succeed, okay? And so it comes down to sowing and reaping. This is the one thing that he made the promise of. He said, as long as the earth is here, as long as he's in heaven, that there's one thing that won't fail, that's seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, okay? So if we sow into the kingdom in whatever way, time, talent, treasure, guess what? We're going we're gonna to reap benefits on that. We're going to reap rewards. How many of you have ever put out a garden, worked in a garden, saw somebody work a garden? Okay? Somebody goes out there and they put a corn seed in the ground. Whenever it comes up, are they expecting one in return? Well, no. Why would you do it if you did? You got one for sure. Why would you invest one to get one? But you put that seed in the ground... And guess what happens? Stalk of corn comes up, and here you go. All at once, it may have a couple of ears even. And how many grains on each ear? I sat down and kind of did a quick figure years ago about that, how many it was, and it was a bunch. <laughs> Pretty technical terms there, I know. We invest the one so that something else happens, bigger than what we invested. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we think, well, what little bit I could give or what little bit my 10% would be doesn't matter. But it matters a whole bunch. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what the size of the gift is. God is able to do something with that, especially if we're going above and beyond the tithe. It might be just a little beyond the tithe. And guess what? God has already said that he can do abundantly and above anything that we can ask or think. So why would we not invest in something that's a sure thing? And, and, and so it, it comes down to this. If you begin to look at sowing and reaping, do you realize that is a promise that extends across generations, across people groups, forever and ever and ever? It doesn't matter if the person that goes out there and puts that corn seed in the ground is a sinner or a saint. Do you ever think about that? It doesn't produce more just because a person is a good person versus a bad one. How many of you ever asked the question, you look around and see somebody that's just a, a dog among dogs, and you say, here he is, making all kinds of money. Here he is doing this, all this stuff, that, that, you know, and here he is prospering. You know why? Because he tapped into a principle that has nothing to do with whether he's saved or not. Amen? I've seen it work in people's lives. There was a guy one time that I talked to, and he was not a believer, and he said, I'm just going to do this so that I can see if it works. Because he heard me talk about it one time. And he started tithing. A guy who didn't know the Lord was really about as far from it as you could get. And he began to tithe. And you know what? The Lord blessed him. Why? Seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. Didn't say it had a thing to do with whether you were saved or not. There have been people that have never attended my, uh, the church that I was the pastor of. And you know what? They got blessed because of what they were doing for the kingdom. And so if we're not doing that, then we're missing out on what God has already promised. What God said is going to happen if we would sow a seed. Amen? 
So again, it comes down to it's not just about money. It's not just about our talent. It's, it's about our time, talent, and treasure. That, that's the package deal about investing in the kingdom. And so what we've got to do is realize that as long as we'll follow his plan, he is going to do it. What he promised that he would do and realize that God can take almost anything, sometimes almost nothing, and do something with it. You remember the time whenever Jesus had heard about John the Baptist passing away? And he tells his disciples, we need to get away from the crowds. We need to just go out in the desert, a solitary place, and be alone for a while. But there were people that followed. Jesus is trying to get us some alone time, trying to mourn his cousin's death. John the Baptist was his cousin. And so he's like, I just got to get away from the crowds for a little while. And these people follow him, so he ministers to them. And then he tells his disciple, he said, they're too far from any kind of the, the stores too far down the road there. And they'll faint from, from starvation if we don't do something about it. And the disciples said, well, what do you want us to do? And, and Jesus said, feed them. Us? You want us to feed him? Well, Lord, do you know that would take almost a year's salary to feed this people? If we bought enough bread and everything to feed these people, it's a big amount. So they kind of throw it back in Jesus' lap, and Jesus says this, what do you have? So they go around, and they're searching through everybody's packs. You can just imagine they're going through the crowd. And finally, they bring this little boy up to Jesus and said, Jesus, this is the only food that we've got here, and it's this little boy's lunch. It's a two-piece fish dinner and three extra hush puppies. You might know it better as the two fish and five loaves. Okay? All we got here is a two-piece fish dinner and three extra hush puppies, but what is that among so many? Ain't no way this can meet every need that there is. What happened? Jesus took it. He blessed it. And it was multiplied. Fed them all. 5,000 people, which means 5,000 men. So by the time you count women and children, we're talking a crowd of about 12,000 people that that fed. Just because somebody was ready and willing to give up their two-piece fish dinner. This is where it strikes home. How many of you say, Jesus, here's my two-piece fish dinner and three extra hush puppies? Just go ahead and take it if you want to. If you feel good about that, just go ahead and take my... my. I'm the one that thought ahead. I planned for this because I knew we were going out in the wilderness. Just, just go ahead and... T- just go ahead. Ain't that how we do it most of the time? Instead of just, here, Lord, do what you want with it, because I know it's going to be fantastic. Nope, 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 nope. That's my two-piece fish dinner and three extra hush puppies, because I like hush puppies. See, here's the deal. Most of us, if we had $2 in our pocket, We'd go to McDonald's and buy us a Happy Meal if we were hungry. Everybody else can deal with their own. I'm getting me a Happy Meal. But if you've ever had a Happy Meal, just realize I'm telling the truth here. It won't make you happy. I don't care if you get nuggets or the burger. It ain't going to make you happy. So why would I not 
say, Jesus, take my happy meal and make everybody happy. Amen? Because he is able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything that we can ask or think. Sometimes we get, we get sticky fingers. This is mine. And what we got to do is ask, ask, ask the question to ourselves, is what's mine, mine, or what is mine is thine? Because see, again, whatever we give in the kingdom, he's going to multiply. You don't put that one seed in the ground just to expect one seed back. Your time, your talent, your treasure in the hands of the Lord who knows? I talked about it last week when we were talking about network in the body of Christ. Sometimes we need to give it away in order to receive. Sometimes we need to sow in somebody else's field. If they're, if, again, if we duplicate what everybody else is doing, we're not accomplishing anything. We're just duplicating ministry. Sometimes if, if we want to reach somebody in missions, we need to find somebody that's already doing that. Somebody that's already going to Russia. Somebody that's already ministering to, to Israel. That's what we're doing. Out there on the wall, you'll see it whenever you leave if you've never taken time to look at it. That's us saying we're sowing into somebody else's field because they're doing good work. And if we sow ours into theirs, then guess what? We're going to reap a harvest. Like I told you, there's going to be people that are going to walk up to you in heaven and say, I just want to thank you so much for making it to where I could hear the gospel so I could be saved. Well, I don't know you. Well, I know you don't know me, but I lived in the former Soviet Union. Or I was a a Jewish person living in Israel and I didn't know about the Savior. Or I was the, the multitude of things that we do. And I would like that to be bigger. I believe in this. I'm not just, this is not just preaching. <laughs> okay? I believe this. I live this. I give. I tithe. And, and I have seen some amazing things happen. fact is, I, I, I put this out one time, and I'll even do it again today because I believe it so much. Because if you're sitting here and saying, oh, man, all, this, all we ever hear is about money and all this kind of stuff. Well, you don't always hear it from me. Fact is, I'm kind of uncomfortable talking about it sometimes, but it, I, I know it works so much that I feel like I've got to pass it on from time to time. But here's what I told told the church that I pastored up in Kentucky. This is how much I know it works. If you've never tried it, maybe you've sat there and said, I want to try it. I just don't know if I can. Then here's what I will tell you I will do. You try it for a month. Or three months. Whatever it is. And you keep up with. And I'm talking about tithing. What is a tithe? It is 10%. You give 10% of your income. And keep up with it. We'll keep up with it. And if at the end of that three months. Or four or five, six months. Whatever it is. You say it don't work preacher. I haven't been blessed for doing it. We'll give it back to you. That's how much I know it works. There was a guy sitting in the congregation whenever I said that years ago. And he said, you know, my wife and I were just talking about this. This is three months later. And he came and he said, my wife and I were just talking about this. 
And he said, we were, we were debating on whether we could, couldn't, whether we wanted to or tried or whatever. And he said, so I decided I was going to take you up on your offer. He ran a construction business. And he told me, he said, we were, he said, I was getting ready. He said, I had two crews, and he said, I was getting ready to lay off one crew. And thinking about what, what I was going to do if I had to close the whole business now. And he said, basically, what have I got to lose? He said, so we wrote a tie check that Sunday, and we gave it an offering. I didn't know all this because I don't, I don't do that, okay? I don't know who ties, and I don't know who doesn't. Uh, I know I do. That's about it. And so he comes to me, and this is, again, months later, but he said, I, he said my wife and I decided we would start doing that. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I'm getting ready to hire my fifth crew. He said, I'm making more than I've ever made in my life. And he said, the only thing that changed was I gave to God. It works. If it didn't, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Amen? So I'm just telling you, give it a try. There's, there's very few places where the Lord says, try me, and this is the one that I realize. There's one where he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's just basically a statement. Just go ahead and taste and see that he's good. The other one is, in about giving, about tithing, he says, try me now here with, and see if you do this, if you honor me in your finances, if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there won't be room enough to contain it. Now, it may not be in finances. It may be in blessings. Do you realize that the blessing of the Lord goes further than money? Amen? That's what it's all about. That's when he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. What does that mean? It means that in, in this sense, that the Lord would bless their crops and they wouldn't, wouldn't fall off the vine before it was time and that they, everything would be okay. And for us, sometimes it means that, that your refrigerator refrigerates a little longer. Amen? That your car cars a little longer. <laughs> it may be clunking and rattling and everything else, but it keeps on going just like a, one of those, uh, 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 is it Ever Ready or Duracell? <laughs> energizer. It's an energizer. It keeps on going and going and going and going, and sometimes you can't explain it. There's been times whenever Angie and I have done this, and sometimes we wrote out our last money for the tithe. But ultimately, it came down to where we were blessed. So I'm just telling you my own experience of telling you what I know about this, that we got to invest in the kingdom. we got to lay those treasures up in heaven where rust cannot uh, corrupt it, where thieves don't break in and moths can't eat it up or anything else.